You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Thanks for hitting play. My name is Matt, and this podcast, The Come Up, holds space for honest conversations about the reality of being a growing artist in the entertainment industry today. I think I'll probably say this every single time, but you really are in for a treat today. I met Alex Wise three or four years ago after an event, and we became very quick friends. And aside from being hilarious, he has has such a wealth of experience, and the perspective that he's gained from all the work that he's done, I, I think, is really informative and helpful for anybody who's trying to figure out how to navigate a career um, in the entertainment industry. He's worked on and off Broadway and television and film producing, um, and most recently he and his writing partner, Wesley Taylor, released the third season of their award-winning web series, Indoor Boys. So I thought this would be a perfect time to sit down and reflect with Alex on where he's at. He was pretty insistent with me that this not be a rundown of his resume, which I was really thrilled to hear. I wasn't quite sure where our conversation would take us, but we found ourselves talking about self-worth, the definition of success, creating your own path, mothers and sons, and much, much, much more. Whether you know Alex or not, I think you're really going to come to appreciate what he has to share. So let's just get into it. I hope wherever you are, you are remembering to breathe and trusting as best you can that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Thanks for being here right now. And enjoy this conversation with my friend, Alex Wise. You look like a ninja. Oh, because of the black hat too. Yeah, also a black hat and your mouth is covered. And I just feel like there are a lot of barriers between you and I. That is one profession I would not, I don't think I would be... I took judo as a child. Really? You know what judo is? No. You know what judo is? Yeah, it's like a, it's like, it's a martial I mean, I, art. I've heard of it. I don't want to sound like I'm not well read. Okay, well, that's literally what you just said. I asked if you knew what it was and you... I, I know, but I'm waking up and I just need a little leeway here. <laughs> so you've here. heard of judo. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of judo. I, I took karate for uh, a year and when? I was... Uh, when I was five, <laughs> when I was 24, no, no, no. When I was about five or I think five or six, I did it. Um, I, I can picture you. Uh, my main memory was, um, well, I was a white belt the entire time <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> and also I remember there was one girl in my class and she was kicking ass and she was, and I remember I was there at her, one of her ceremonies where she upgraded in belt color. And I was just like, Ugh. Were you pissed? I was so furious. Not that I think I just, I mean, of course I didn't deserve to be anything but a white belt. You know, I'd see a butterfly and, you know, I'd be crushed under its heavy wings. But <laughs> you were so delicate. So delicate. <laughs> I mean, I argue you are still quite delicate. Thank you. 
in the best way. Thank not, you. Right? See, all I heard was beautiful. That's true. That also <laughs> is true. That's all I heard. So you had jealousy from a young age. You had you had no sense I, of jealousy. I, let's reframe that. I would say I had drive. I had drive to uh, to do well and to make waves. But it was very clear that karate was not the correct room in which I was supposed to do make that. Make waves. Uh-huh. But jealousy, I've worked hard to not have jealousy, though there are still moments, and I'll tell you more of them when we're not recording. Do you, I was just saying, do you still feel like when you see other people that you know accomplish things, do you feel like, does it inspire you now, or does it like, do you still feel, do you still get the tinge? I mean, because I, oh, I would I love feel, to say that I don't, but I feel like some, yeah, still sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I want to say the inspiring thing, right. but the real truth is I'm a human being who wants to do well and... And uh, sometimes it's hard, but I, I do have to remind myself. I what I have gotten a lot better at is, um, you know, that 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 jealous voice comes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm better at redirecting it now. I'm better at um, kicking in that adult voice that can say, hey, there is room for all of us to do our thing. And if that's not what I was supposed to get, then that's okay. And that's not the path for me. And I'm yeah. going to find out what is the path for me. So that's the awareness gets quicker mm-hmm. like the, your your vo- your wise voice you said your adult voice kicks my in quicker. alex wise voice your alex wise voice yeah. kicks in quicker and is like i hear you yeah and and i think you could think of it as the voice that can take care of my jealous voice the voice that can say hey jealous voice thanks for trying to stick up for me but you're actually doing it in the wrong way and uh, there's room for me as well and it's okay if I am not in the middle of a huge press moment right now it's okay if I'm not standing on a Broadway stage right now yeah I, those things will happen again if I work hard and if I have faith and self-esteem if, if I keep working on those things yeah the other things can come so I I'm better now at at um, redirecting, I would say. But of course, that jealous voice is maybe always going to exist. I just hope I get better at dealing with it as time goes on. Yeah, it feels like something I didn't realize that I could do, that I was capable of doing, was like speaking to my inner child. Oh, that's real. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that's what, like, the jealous voice, you know, the, um, like, that worthless feeling, you know, I mean, we were talking about, like, not wanting to get up this morning, of just being like, oh, like, what's the... Like, yeah, we were saying we feel very autumnal on the inside. Internally, which I think is so well articulated. But it's like, <laughs> I now know that I can I can take a beat and like, I, if I have to hold myself, I can hold myself and just say like, it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. I hear you and I know that that's, that's okay that you're feeling that, but know that like, it's all it's all good. And also, and this was my next thing was like, you know, the things that you listed, like, you know, having a big press moment or being on a Broadway stage or all those things, like my definition of success has completely shifted. Like those things to me were all like, they all dictated my self-worth. You know what I mean? If I wasn't doing that, then I wasn't successful. Yeah. It's really hard to, uh, there's so many external factors around us that are sending us that kind of message. Always. And it's really hard to combat that with the truth, which is success can be measured in a lot of different ways. And the thing that one person thinks is success is not the thing that can actually make you feel successful or feel most integrated with yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to remember that when we're getting bombarded with messages that are opposing that. Well, yeah, I mean, we, especially in the entertainment industry, what is praised is like more fame, more followers, right. more money. 
because that's what we're exposed to. Like that's from a very young age. Like that's what we see on, you know, you, you, you only see <laughs> like, I love Broadway.com, but the only thing you see on Broadway.com is like opening nights. You're not, and the vlogs too, but you're not mm-hmm. watching like the actor who like, doesn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're only seeing this certain part yeah. of it and you, you're, you assume and you start to associate like, Oh, that's when I will be successful. And I think what you said was so powerful that like you, <laughs> I don't know if you meant it, but like, you said most successful, most integrated with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, is that what success looks and feels like to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes and no. I still struggle with uh, wanting to, you know, be the best and or uh, have all the toys in the toy chest, mm-hmm. get all the roles. But yep. that's not that's not real. That's not. I also know now that getting those things does not equate happiness. Yeah, say that one more time. Getting the job does not equal happiness. But liking myself, that equals happiness. And then if I like myself, I'm usually more equipped to get the job. How about that? Yeah, it's... It's uh, it's that weird how it like... It, like we're, we're taught the total opposite. That like, oh, I can like myself when I have the job. Right. But that's how they sell you things. I mean, this goes into, and, and then we get into the patriarchy, which is so real. But they're just trying to sell you things, you know, uh, uh, wear this, put on this makeup, mm-hmm. listen to this music. Mm-hmm. This is what makes you belong. This is what makes you pretty. Um, <laughs> I think you're pretty. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> but you've done, I mean, listen, you've done, when I say a lot of jobs, like I'm, I, there's, it's not, the, it's not the numbers arbitrary. Like it doesn't matter. I'm just what I'm thinking of is I'm like, oh, you've gotten to do a variety of things in the industry, right? So you like I have, yeah. you've acted in professional productions. You've done regional stuff. You've been on television. You did so, like you've done a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And to hear you say, like the job is not gonna doesn't ultimately bring me happiness. It can bring me like joy in the moment, like totally from doing the thing. Well, part of the the tricky thing is that when I'm in a moment of, uh, when I'm performing, uh, there can be total ecstasy. And then it's like, we're these heroin addicts who are chasing that high that we once felt. But that's not really sustainable. It's also really important for me to remember that I'm not supposed to be high all the time. (laughs) I mean that both literally and metaphorically. (laughs) I'm, I'm supposed to, those are supposed to be moments. And if you don't have the moments where you're feeling autumnal, like maybe we are today, right? if you don't have those moments, you're not going to have the moments where you feel absolute ecstasy. Right. How can you recognize? And, and how can you get your body and mind ready for a moment if you're not resting and preparing for the next one? That's now how I'm trying to deal with periods of unemployment. I'm trying to remember that it's okay to be unemployed. It's okay to not get the job because I need to rest. I need to recover so I can be ready when the next thing comes. What does rest and recovery look like? Well, it means seeing shows, been seeing a lot of theater and seeing movies and catching up on all those TV series. Um, and so, so taking in as much art as I can. Like filling up that cup. Yeah. And yeah. reading books, but also spending time with my family and, uh, going on dates and seeing lots of friends and things like that. Just trying to have experiences in the world or this, uh, this past weekend, I went back home to Cleveland to visit with my grandmother because that's not something I often get to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, especially if I'm working and if I was working, 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 
I would be a shell of a person. Yep. I would not get to have as many personal relationships. I wouldn't get to foster those. And I would be a completely burned out person who would have no life experience <laughs> to draw upon when I actually am called to do my art. Preach, preach, preach. I mean, ultimately, you have to have the baseline of like p solid, healthy connections, relationships in your life to fill up the love cup because you have to feel loved and and full of love so that when you walk in a room, you, it, you're not hungry and thirsty for a thing. Like you're, you're not asking them to fill up your love cup. Right. It's already full. It's full. And you can bring that into their audition room and they can take it or leave it or leave it and they can leave it too. And that's totally fine. And it doesn't like, but, but my cup is full right. because I've been working so hard in theory on, <laughs> on, on loving myself and on, and on, uh, fostering the relationships I around now me. Speak to the in theory, because this is the other thing yeah. too, is well, that like, this is not easy. Oh no. And this like is, when you're in it, it's very hard. It's very hard. These are things, I think I can also put these into words because I work so hard on sending myself this kind of messaging to combat the kind of messaging that the industry sends us or the world at large or the patriarchy, the, the sexist media around us, mm -hmm. the, the messages that they are sending that I am never enough of a man or I will only be successful if I am the most seen or if I get the most likes on my Instagram post uh, or if I am with the hottest, the hottest guy or something. That's not, um, that's not real happiness. Uh, but I, I've worked really hard on um, helping myself yeah. and it's an ongoing process. And right. Like <laughs> you're not like no one's perfect at this. No, this I'm like... not finished with my <laughs> no. evolution. I'm um, only very much in the middle of it, but doing everything I can to become aware of how I can be the best person and send that outward. And maybe also, um, you know, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast or any podcast is to also send the message to any young person or, or any aged person who might be listening who needs to hear messages like this because these are the kind of messages I so desperately needed to hear when I was a kid. I am I'm with you on that. Like, I did not hear I these messages. I did not hear that as a kid. Never. Never. Not even in college. Like, I was not hearing any of this kind of stuff. No, I was discouraged a lot. A lot. I was discouraged. Directly or just like from your environment? Directly. Listen, I, I love my college, for instance, but they also, I had um, a meeting with the professor, with a couple of professors my freshman year where they told me I should not be an actor and I should drop out. So my college gave me a lot of great things and my experience is very singular to myself and of I don't course. mean to um, badmouth Boston University who, who did great things, but I also uh, was discouraged from becoming an actor. And I think it was because um, of personality clashes that, I was going to say, that was really what it was? I think so. I mean, there, there, there's a whole long story that goes along with it that no one needs to hear. It's, it's also, like, gross and painful, and it and, and involves maybe a teacher. You know, I don't want to say things that are bad-mouthing my, my school, too, because I, I also care about my school yeah. and want my school to be the best it can be so they can, so they can keep helping kids. Yeah, and ultimately, no place is going to be the perfect place. Like, there's going to be ups and downs in every single place that you go mm -hmm. to study, just like any relationship, just like any, you know what I mean? Like there's going to exactly. be two sides of the coin. Yeah. Every Broadway show I've done has had amazing moments and painful moments mm -hmm. and people I worked with who were incredible and inspired me and people I worked with who detracted from my happiness. Yeah. But, uh, even though, uh, 
yeah, so so I I I guess I just I felt like as a kid I didn't hear these messages enough. Also, there weren't really podcasts when I was a kid. No. And uh, well, again, it was like we only were exposed to this much of of the industry. Yeah, I didn't have Twitter, so I could write to my heroes and. It just didn't exist. I, I did my best to uh, read as much as I could and study as much as I could. And were you studious? Yeah, not not academically, but about okay. So you weren't like like a, like you just like wanted to get good grades and da 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 da. No, okay. I didn't really care about my grades yeah, so much. It surprisingly, based on my attitude, I, it, or in opposition to my attitude about it, I did pretty well in school. I did fine. I got A's, B's, and a C. Yeah. So I did totally fine, um, but I hated every second of it, and I did the minimum amount of work to get by and get credits that would appease my parents. Cre- I mean, grades, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, no, I'm... The grades I, that, would, me too. that would make them happy and... Because you knew what was coming on the other end? Like, you knew what you wanted to be doing on the other side? I, or you knew what you wanted it to look like? Yeah, I was pretty clear that I loved the arts more than anything in the world, and I felt like that's where I belong. And as I got older more and more, I was able to choose the people around me. Of course. Especially when I was a kid, and then I started yeah. driving. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which makes a really big difference. That does. Then I could go to other schools or, or have friends from other, other schools places, who yeah. were also... Uh, the, the big fish in their drama departments and <laughs> and we could uh I, I could find some understanding and I also I think that's also a good point that like you know you you go from being big fish to small fish at college and then like tiny teeny minnow, little tadpoles like yeah, yeah, minnow. Like, <laughs> you're like you're so you know like the pond it's just so big it's so massive here uh-huh. that at some point you start to feel like a number like you just start to feel like another I don't know that was the thing that I came up against the most was like I just don't want to be another another person which like I am I suppose yeah but what's so great about you is you're not because you've so paved your own way that's one of the reasons I'm so crazy about you Matt and I absolutely mean this it's not just because I'm on your podcast I'm blowing smoke but I've always adored you for many years because you've been so driven and you've created your own thing you've done your red carpet challenges you've done your podcast you do your your music writing circles there's so many things that you do that distinguish you and also give you all of these outlets to create and and create circles around yourself full of like-minded people who also want to be creative. I that I really really appreciate you saying that. And well, I know you mean it, you know, like I, I do. I, I, I know. Do. And I I I don't know, it's 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 a weird you you have like at some point, I don't know when I I kind of feel like it was an accident, but like you just have to figure out or I don't know how I figured out, but at some point I was just like, I have to do my own fucking thing. Yeah. I cannot wait for an opportunity to come. And yet it's so funny that at the time, like I still was waiting. Like I feel honestly until the last like six months of my life, I have been like, well, that's probably no six months, really six months to a year. Like I have been so hungry for something I didn't have. Like I was to- in total scarcity mindset huh. and felt like, I needed something else to val something outside of myself to validate me in some way. When ultimately, for all- the thing I've been doing for so long is creating my own stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I don't need to feel, we were talking about this earlier, jealous of this person or this person, this person, because like uh-huh. I have my own thing. You're on your own path. If you keep carving out your path, that's 
no, no one can get that job over you because no. it's your path. No, and, you made it. And those things ultimately bring me such a deep sense of um, satisfaction. And by that, I only mean they make me feel like I get high on them. Like, in, in which, like what you were saying earlier, like I get high on it, and it, and I, it's because to me it's connected to like the love place in me, right? Yeah. It's like totally, I just am like in full love mode in those things. Yeah. And ultimately, there's no amount of like, we were talking about this earlier, followers, money, success, whatever the fuck that means, that's gonna bring me that feeling. And I, I just wanna keep, like you were saying, it's chasing that feeling. But now I know that I don't need someone else to give open the door in order for me to feel that thing. Do you know what I mean? No, you can open your own door. All that being said, though, it's very hard to open your own door. No, thank you for saying that. It's really hard. It's because, well, there's no context. Like, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So to, to you're basically walking into the dark. Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know what this is going to feel like. I have no idea what the outcome will be. Even if I tr- try my hardest to control this with all of my might, there's no, you ultimately cannot predict how the thing is going to come out, mm-hmm. whatever it is that moment. And, um, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. And I, so I appreciate you saying all those things. I also, it takes one to know one truly, you know, I mean, listen, you're somebody that, okay. I listened to the podcast with Josh, which by the way, is a wonderful like history lesson. And Alex wise, it's fabulous. (laughs) And you really have a, on a great, um, understanding of your own experiences because I think you have perspective on them now and it's just, it's very well articulated. It's very well said, like really interesting. Didn't know that you were a writer. Didn't know that you had a show at Nymph. Like that is not, that was like new information to me. So it's like you were, you've been doing the make your own stuff stuff for ever. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. Like a long time I think something I didn't say on Josh's, but I want to make sure I don't say things on here that I said on Josh's <laughs> or have a, and I, I mean, we are, we're having a very different kind of conversation, which I'm, which I'm glad about because I'm not, we are all not one thing. Yeah. I'm not just funny and entertaining all the time. Which you are funny and entertaining. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but, but you know, after I, uh, I had this musical in Nymph, uh, quickly after I came to New York and it went so terribly for me. Mm-hmm. I felt so much shame about it that for many years I didn't put anything out there that I had written publicly. I thought I was done. I thought that was over. I felt. When you say years, like, give me, like. That happened in 2010. And it wasn't until 2017 that Indoor Boys came out. That was what I was gonna say. Like, that was the next thing that I wrote that I showed to people. Seven years. Mm-hmm. Now, within that seven years, a lot of things were happening. I was, I of was course. acting. I had my outlets. I was working on some writing privately. I've had a play I've been working on for many years, and some other projects. But I was very uh, afraid. I was very, very afraid to put something out there. Not having that outlet of making your own thing and carving your own path. What did that do to you? Well, well, because uh, listen, you were doing a lot of other things like you had, like, I mean, I imagine your, your cup was being filled up in other ways from the opportunities that you were getting. Yes. I was still, I still get, 
some of the greatest joy I get from writing is the act of writing. When I'm in the flow, which takes a lot of crappy work in order to get to the flow, mm -hmm. I write a lot of terrible pages and then suddenly I hit one and it pours out of me and, and I'm in a trance. Yeah. And that's rare. It's rare, but it happens sometimes. So when I hit that spot, which I would hit privately, that was so fulfilling for me. But I wasn't showing that work to anyone. I did a couple of private readings of my play. Yeah. I did a couple of readings of a musical, um, but private, uh, keeping a lid on it, not really want, maybe showing people a glimpse of things here yeah. and there. I performed a song that I wrote in a concert a few years ago okay. that I think, weren't you involved in that? What show? No, you weren't. It? I'm sorry. It was, I think it was Corey Mock's series. It was Broadway Sings Their Own. I may, I will, listen, I may have been working at 54 Below at the time. I just, sorry if I'm mis <laughs> misremembering things. It's been a long, confusing life. You're like, many <laughs> concerts, many, many, yeah. many, <laughs> many, another concert, another hall. <gasps> um, but, um, but, uh, so I was just keeping it private because I, I think I was, uh, not feeling as brave, especially after I was, uh, I felt so ashamed of how my nymph show had turned out. But teaming up with Wesley Taylor gave me, um, he, he helped me a lot, um, find the self-esteem to get to the finish line. That's one of the best things that Wes has done for me. And we're going to keep writing together. We have three seasons of this web series we wrote and yep. created and edited and directed all the things. Um, we can talk more about that too. Mm -hmm. But uh, but one of the first things that he did for me is say, hey, it's okay, and we're going to release this. We're going to make this, and we're going to put it out there. And I was like, what if people don't like it? <laughs> and I was so scared. It's terrifying. But he's really good at putting it out there. I was going to ask like, where that bravery came. Where How did you get your bravery back? But I think you articulated it well. Yeah, I, I had he, – he helped me. I, I helped Wes a lot, too, in a lot of ways that I don't want to speak for him, no, but, but I know that we've both done a lot of things for each other that have made us better artists. That's why it's a great partnership and why I'm really proud of Indoor Boys is because yeah. we have a, a, a partnership on this show that has made me better in a lot of ways. I've worked harder than I've ever worked. I didn't make a dime and I was so happy. And you're smiling. Look at you smiling. Like I was you're, so you're like happy. You're, li you're lit up about it. Not about the not making money, but just about the, you know what I mean? Like the fact that you can say that and it, it be this like just another fact of it, it doesn't even like affect you. In, no, in I didn't care. When I was uh, in the middle of working on it, especially this summer, I would have auditions for things. And some of them I had the time to go on. Some of them I didn't. But when I went, I did not care. Not one iota did I care. Not in and a way that's like not not in a, in a in aggressive or, or yes. Um, uh, what's the word? Um, not in an in antagonistic kind of way, mm -hmm. but in a way that I like. We said I didn't need them to fill up my love cup. It was so full. I was surrounded by all of these people who inspired me so much because of this, because I was able to get into the flow and write something that really excited me and all these jokes that were so funny and, and made me laugh again. It, we were making ourselves laugh and telling a story that felt, in the end, also very personal. I think the web series starts off 
cute and funny and it's a it's a gay odd couple dynamic but I think then it becomes about things that are real that we really care about and we kept writing toward that goal of writing things that felt meaningful to us and my love cup was full because I was surrounded by people who believed in that message too and honestly doing that kind of stuff is I mean like you said you were writing producing directing the I mean the hours that go into that is it's just not easy work. Like, let's, I mean, I just want to no. put, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, no, it's, it really is the hardest I've ever worked. And that's, I, and I really like want to hammer that in because like the love cup is full. And I think it was because of, I don't want to speak for you, but you can, but it was, <laughs> but, but from what I'm hearing you say, like all of that stuff, like all of that hard, long hours was, oh, you were willing to do that because your 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 cup was full you felt fulfilled you felt yeah because i was becoming a better artist because i was working with people who i loved and 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 every single person who joined on to this project made it better and made it bigger and more realized and then it wasn't just an obligation to myself it wasn't me sitting alone in a room saying oh i got to I got to get into the flow. I got to write something. No, I had a responsibility to Carolee Carmelo to, to give her a role that was great and to give her dialogue that could sing. And I mean that metaphorically. No, I know. To, 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 I had a responsibility to set up the shot list so our crew knew what to do. Yeah, you have to show up. Uh-huh. I had a responsibility to um, cast this with really talented people so we could all shine and, and all the other things. I had a responsibility to find the money so we could make it happen. But it wasn't just for me. I was I was working for everyone else there. I was working to so everyone around me could have a joyful experience. Because what's the point of creating if it's not going to bring you joy or enlightenment or a deeper understanding? And it brought you joy. An enlightenment and a deeper understanding. Really? Yeah. It was incredible. Hard. It was so hard, but it was so incredible. I can't believe that we got to the finish line and made this thing, this thing that um, that feels like it's not about it's not about Wes or me. Mm-hmm. But it's about it's all of us. It's something bigger. It's something bigger than you guys. I feel that way. Yeah, I know that we're at, at the front of it. I know, but, but isn't that a weird feeling though to know that it, you're like it does? It feels so much bigger than my than me. But no, I wanted to be there so I could make everyone else shine. And I could have everyone on set have a happy experience. Mm-hmm. We really killed ourselves to try to get everyone to have a happy experience. We sometimes came up short because it was there was just such a huge production. It was nine crew members, it was forty cast members, it was ten producers. It was how many days? Nine days that we filmed. How many episodes? Eight episodes, and the whole thing is about eighty minutes long. I mean, come on. Yeah, we filmed a movie in a little over a week. I worked, we filmed like 20 hours a day. 20 hours a day you were About, yeah, just about. um, I mean, that's crazy. It was crazy. Um, And in the future, I um, (laughs) hope to uh, schedule that a little more humanely. Well, also you, and again, like you can't know what you don't know. Like you. Yeah, we we also didn't know that this would take X amount of time. Right. Uh, We didn't know that all of these people would need this amount of coverage we learned so many things and also it's so funny because you've done television yes <laughs> and yet it still took you guys doing it in order for you to 
now have experience that you can then oh, be like, now I know how I'm going to do it better next time. Yeah. I think every season we figured out how are we going to do this better next time. But also every season it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And it's gotten better and better and better. Thank you. Um, but but it, it became a bigger production. I'd never run a whole production before. I, I did in a, a small way, in the way of, hey guys, we're gonna film an episode this afternoon. Come here, we'll have sandwiches, we'll set aside five hours, and we'll make this four, five minute episode. Yeah. Which was totally doable at the very beginning, but that became a very different game when it was uh, 20 cast members, nine crew members, um, a 16-page script for for you know one episode. So it it became bigger and bigger, and we had to keep learning, and we made mistakes, but but we. And also, I just want to acknowledge, like, it takes a lot of courage to do all those things, like to be willing to ask people that you really admire to be a part of the thing that you're working on. That's that's number one. Mm-hmm. And I, there's this is in no particular order. <laughs> but you know, just, I'm just saying things that I'm, I'm hearing. I'm hearing you say like to ask people for money to invest in something that you believe in and something that you're creating that is a piece hard. of art that takes a lot of courage. Yeah, that was hard. Um, um, I would say having to show up on set and be a be a director and, and also like, know my lines as an actor. Courage, like all those things, take courage. And to hear you say that, like you showed up because you wanted it was for everybody else. Like it was all these people that you, that were counting on you, that you mustered up this bravery to do all these things that like you maybe not, maybe would not have been able to do having not had all of these people sort of behind you. Yeah. It it didn't, I I know that Wes and I are very much, um, the story is about our characters and I think especially my character, but I don't think that this was a vanity project. No, it doesn't, and it doesn't seem that way from the, I don't know if you care about other people's perception, but like. I do though, because I want to make things that people like. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem that way at all. Yeah, because it was not about get out of the way and let me have my moment. It was so much about let's all make this together. Like the process of making the thing. Yes, and and let's ask these characters what they want to say. Yeah. Let's, let's ask them what they want to say. That was a big part of it. And listening. Uh-huh. There was a lot of listening in the writing room. Yeah. Writer's room, yeah. which was Wes and me on a computer. Um, a Google Doc. Yeah, yeah. It was our Google Doc. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but we had to listen. Uh-huh. Listen to, yeah, yeah. Do you, the satisfaction that you got from, I mean, okay, well, let's start here. Do you feel proud of, of, of Indoor Boys? Very, very much. The pride that you feel, the satisfaction you feel, how is it different than the feeling of taking a bow on a Broadway stage or seeing your name in the credits of a television episode on HBO or Showtime or whatever it was? Um, you know, or CBS, like you know what I mean? Like, what, what talk? Can you can can you differentiate those two? Yeah, one. Uh, okay, well, I think being on a Broadway stage is a more. Uh, euphoric immediate rush Mm. I think that is a thing Mm -hmm. when I was doing Waitress um, I had to not that I was tempering that but I was reminding myself before I went on stage every day 
this is unique. You're about to step on a Broadway stage. This doesn't happen every day. Whoa. I'd kind of give myself a talk before I rolled um, on, on stage on the platform uh, sitting in that every chair. Every day. Every day, because I knew this is rare. This is a moment. Be so thankful. This is going to be a euphoric rush, and it's going to be over one day, and it's going to be okay. So now let's have the best time in the world. Doing it. Yeah. Now let's live in it and understand that everything in life is temporary. Ready, set, go. And I, I guess <laughs> then the follow to that one is then, and we'll get back to the other. We'll get back sure. to the other This thing, is but, a big question. Yeah. But <laughs> did it take doing the other things on like, and do like, you know what I mean? You had to, you couldn't have known that from that being your first job. You know what I mean? Like that no. couldn't have been you on your first job. No. When I did, so my Broadway debut was Lysistrata Jones, which was, uh, which I also YouTube dived. Oh, which, you did? Yeah. Well, cause Dan's posted like all of, he's posted so many of the numbers on YouTube, uh -huh. like in full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's some footage on there. You basketball player. You I know. could not dance. Let me tell you, I am not a dancer. I am just not. I had to work so hard and my body was killing me. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. taking classes every morning before I'd go to rehearsal. No way. I was because I was behind. I was so behind. I couldn't do things. I couldn't land a double pirouette. I can't do that. I, I went to acting school. I never studied dance. I, I just, Whoa. it was not in my body. And I had to, that was hard. But I, I don't know. These are all um, tangents. Um, but I was saying you couldn't have had that. that but you that, couldn't yeah, have yeah, known that. Yeah, that, that, that first time, though, I thought it was a whole feeling of like, my dreams are coming true. My dreams are coming true. I've arrived. I've arrived. I'm one of the cool kids. It's happening. It's happening. And then when the rug was pulled out from under me, I thought, well, I'm a failure. I guess I'm not one of the cool kids. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm not, not one of the cool kids. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Whoa. That was hard for me. I didn't, I didn't know back then, especially what we were talking about earlier with all the messaging that you're cool when you're on Broadway, you're not cool when you're not, that very false messaging that we got when we were kids. Which is total fucking bullshit. Yeah, it is. I'm like, I'm sorry to be so crude, but that's really what it is. I, I know that messaging still exists, but I do hope it's better for people today than it was, I don't know how long, 15 years ago yeah. when, when we were kind of coming of age and, and seeing our, our role models, looking up to them and thinking, well, they're cool because they're in the show. They have it all figured out. Yep. They're finished. They did <laughs> they it. Did they it. made it. The idea of made Making it. it. Yeah. The, that made what? They, they made what? Um, <laughs> so, so at first I was not able to understand that what was hap that being on a Broadway stage was rare, a, a privilege, an adrenaline rush that I'd be chasing after. I think after Lysistrata Jones closed, then I was going into auditions with the intention of, well, I got to get back on Broadway because I got to have that feeling again. And I was tanking all these auditions. I was doing so badly. You were so hungry, so thirsty for it. Yeah, but yeah. I wasn't thirsty to make something. I was thirsty to get the fix of being on Broadway again. I'm telling you, it was like heroin. It was so unhealthy. That is so profound, what you just said. Oh, I, it, but it was very real for me. Uh, and, and Yeah, it, it resonates. I mean, I, I, that's, I, I hear it. I it, mean, I, It took me um, getting so frustrated with New York and giving up on my dream temporarily, I said to myself, well, I'll never get on Broadway again. Yeah, but you had made it. But yeah, but I thought I'm done. 
that's it, that's my one credit, I can't get back, how do I get back? No one will cast me. That's what it felt like. Yeah. I, I, I also know these were very skewed things I was telling myself. I was still getting jobs. I was still doing fine. I was doing a, a little bit of TV work. But I was measuring success by a very small, narrow thing. Success was... I, I had a really terrible definition of success. But I gave up on it. Yeah. And then I ended up in Spring Awakening by happenstance. But it, I re- and I really think... I mean, you totally let go. I mean, you real. I mean, you you fucking moved. I moved. I moved to Los Angeles. Like I thought, you left. Yeah, I thought New York didn't want me. That's what I thought. I thought I failed, and that's it for me. And I can't get a job here. And maybe Los Angeles will want me because what what was really happening though? So I'm also glad I moved to LA because I did a lot of cool TV work. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And also, that's where I got involved in Spring Awakening. And well, that's what I mean. Like, it, you had to let go so, in order for you to get back. Exactly. I came back in, in, in the strangest, most roundabout way that felt very um, very much like someone was looking out for me. Organic. Yeah, and also felt like you have to fall on your ass in order to learn how to get back up in a different kind of way. But also, what was happening, it wasn't that New York didn't want me. Is that It was that I didn't want me. It was that I had a skewed version of success. It was that I was chasing after the wrong thing. And I was trying and trying in all the wrong ways. And it took me throwing up my hands and saying, I can't try this way anymore. I have to redirect myself in order for it to reappear in my life when I least expected it. I think that was a huge growing up moment for me. I mean, Spring Awakening was a profound experience in a hundred ways. Working with deaf actors, meeting some of my best friends, it, it was profound and one of the luckiest things that's ever happened to me. And lucky. Just lucky. I also know that I was there because I had worked hard and proven myself, and I was a capable performer. So I'd also earned the right to be there, and I don't mean to totally undercut myself because I think I'm No, but it's a a combination of luck, timing, and talent. Yeah, but I got so lucky that I was a part of something like that Mm -hmm. that had an enormous personal and professional impact on me. Did you, at the time... Were you aware, like, of you know, speaking now about the, your your the version of success that you had? Like, yeah. did you have that revelation while you were there? Yeah, you did. Yeah, when I was doing Spring Awakening, then I remember, I remember the the thoughts really coming into focus. Okay, this show is going to end, and it's going to be hard. And you knew. I knew. I knew this is going to be hard. This is going to be painful. This is going to be like a death. This is going to feel like grief when this leaves. And it did. It was so painful. But I was preparing myself. I understood nothing lasts forever. Mm -hmm. These moments are rare. And I was able to get ready for it. In a way, I was so not ready for it with Lissa Strata Jones. I was not ready to be on Broadway. I was not ready to be off of Broadway. It all happened so, so fast. fast. So fast. And then by the time you got to, to this, you know, your experience speaking about like being off stage at Waitress and saying that yeah. to yourself. So then by the time I get to Waitress, which I'm so fortunate to have that as my third Broadway show, which is an incredible feat. I can't believe I've gotten to be in three. I was like, because it was forever just my dream to be in one. And three is uh, amazing, and I have a lot to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the time I'm in Waitress, I'm sitting off stage, and I'm thinking, this is my heroin rush, and this will end. 
but for now, I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to feel good. I earned it. I get to be here. And I'm going to share the love with everyone in that audience and everyone on that stage and have the best experience I can. And it's going to be gone. And it's going to be gone. That's, that's what we do. That's yeah. what's so painful. What we do is it's all of these births and deaths. deaths. And oh I, I feel like I've lived dozens of lives. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And it's so tiring, but it, it, it enriches my soul yeah. so much. And that's why I keep doing it. But I've tried very hard to have an understanding about what it is and to chase after a kind of success that feels like in integration with myself instead of standing on the Broadway stage, understanding that that's a great marker. It's a wonderful thing to get to do, but that's not everything. Then uh, switching gears a little bit, something like Indoor Boys, I get to tell the kind of story I wish I had seen when I was young about gay people being people. Yeah. And as much as I'm so thankful for all of the stories that came before about, um, about disease and acceptance and, and so many other big ticket items mm -hmm. like that, my experience of being a gay man is a lot more like, gosh, how do I find a date? And is this person my friend or my boyfriend? Yeah, it's like much more confusing or, and mundane. Like, yeah, not it's to, just you know, kind not of to diminish that, but it is. Yeah, and how do I talk to my parents? Right. <laughs> and just in a way of like, how do I tell them that I went on a date without it feeling a little awkward? Right. That is what Indoor Boys is about. It's just about life. And it's really funny. And then it, it, it means something. But how does it... What's the difference in satisfaction? You well, know what the I mean? difference is I, well, I feel a lot more exposed. I feel exposed in a different kind of way. Whoa. People aren't seeing my body in time and space in the same way that they're seeing me in live theater. I'm a little more physically protected, if that makes sense. Uh huh. Like I don't have to make sure I hit the gym every day, keep up my health. I, I mean, yes, I do, but not in the same way. Yeah. But, but it's exposing a part of my soul. Hey, here's a story that I want to tell. Yeah. That feels like a different kind of exposure. I'm also the lead of this thing. Mm -hmm. And, but the way I look at it is going back to that thing of writing and being in a sense of flow. It then feels like the story is. It's mine, but it's also not mine. The story just happened. Yeah. Uh, this, this, is what, this is the story that asked to be told. The heavens opened up and asked me to tell this story, and I just listened, is how it feels. And so when I was being an actor in that story, what I kept saying to Wes, he kept sensing how nervous I was as we went on as an actor, really. Yeah. But uh, I, I was nervous about wanting to do that story justice that was your anxiety yeah i wanted Whoa. to i wanted to uh i felt like okay this story we wrote this but it also kind of wrote itself this is a great vehicle for carolee carmelo and vn cox and daniel k isaac and krista rodriguez and all these people i think are brilliant sean grandillo all these people i love and respect and i've got we've gotten them to be in our series and i want to do this story and all of them and our cinematographer and everybody i want to do them justice so it also caused some anxiety 
I, I get, was scared. Yeah. I was super scared. Wow. Because I was exposing a part of myself. I was exposing a, a, a story that feels very um, coming from my subconscious. Hmm. So as an actor, I'm taking on someone else's words and accessing parts of my life perhaps, or more than that, really connecting with people in order to tell this story. Yeah. I don't mean to say I'm doing all this method work. No, but it's an empathy thing. You're like, you're literally yeah. walking in someone else's shoes. Yeah. But in a way I felt like I was walking in my own shoes. Well, that's what about indoor boys is like, it's you, it's not you, but it's like, it's not me. It's not my story. Those things didn't happen to me, Yeah, but it's certainly based on things that I have felt. Right. I have felt the those feelings. things. Yeah. Right. And I just want to do it justice. I want to be a good enough actor that that story is effectively communicated and then we can all be good in this thing. Does huh. that make sense? A hundred percent. And I, that what, what, what I'm inspired to ask is like, did, do you feel, huh? Do you feel like feeling through those things as an actor, whatever those feelings were as an actor in those scenes, do you feel like you now feel more clarity on or closer to or uh i don't know what i'm trying to say but but do you understand those feelings in a different way having now processed them through that process does that make sense do you know what i'm at? do you know what i'm trying to ask do you hear like i do i can i can speak to maybe the clearest part of it for me and the part that felt the most vulnerable to me was uh the part of the story in which it's about um, my character's mother. Okay. That felt like the most personal thing to me about having a sort of overbearing Jewish mother who couldn't be better and couldn't love her son more. Yeah. But it maybe happens to a fault. <laughs> I bet you relate to that too, uh -huh. Matt Roden. <laughs> so that feeling, um, before the screening, I called up my mom I had kept this kind of tight-lipped and really wanted to uh, really? not tell her about... It's not... It's This is not about my mother. No. But it's certainly about feelings that both of us have experienced. And I've also... Also, within that, I tried to take on her voice and, and give her dignity within that. Mm. It's not about me saying, see me as a person, mother. It's not... <laughs> that's not what it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's also her saying I am a person. And I've really tried to, uh, I tried to protect my mother, my actual mother and all of that. I called her up before the screening. I said, mom, this is a very vulnerable thing. It has been for me and I don't know what it's going to be like for you to see this tonight, but I just want to impress to you that this is so much about mothers and sons. And I just want you to know that. And, and I want you to know that nothing in here is ever directly about you nothing in here is ever attacking you but if anything it's just honoring a lot of the feelings that I think we have experienced together and so I wanted to um was she touched yeah and uh and yeah and at the screening too very much and and I I just wanted to do all of that justice I mean, and, and, it, and you're not going to like me saying this, but it speaks to the type of person that you are. 
that you wanted that you would want to have that you would want to have that conversation with your mom beforehand and that you could have your conversation with that conversation well i think that's also what indoor boys did your original question about did this get you to understand those subconscious feelings more in making this thing which a lot is about communication between a mother and a son i did exactly that yeah you know, I, uh, so I'll talk about something kind of hard and that's, um, I just went to see my grandmother this past weekend. Oh my God. I need to like reel it in for a second. I'm sorry. Nuh-uh. But, um, I think so many generations of women who have come before our generation have been so, uh, repressed in so many ways. Like they have, and I'm speaking really about, you know, my grandmother too, had to be beautiful and couldn't have a job and had to be the homemaker. And I, I think more and more in my, in the artwork that I'm, the art, the art that I'm making, I want to give those women a voice. You know, it started off as this, this uh, vehicle for Wes and me because we were bored in Los Angeles and we needed an outlet and we wanted to make something. And what it turned into was us trying to give these incredible actresses, mostly actresses and some actors too, who are over 40, a vehicle. Because right when they are as smart as they've ever been, right when they have more experience than they've ever had, the industry stops valuing them. The, uh, the society we're in stops valuing them. But I want to also give the character of my mother dignity. Yeah. And it's not me saying, hey, you're a prop to my story, but it's also her saying, I have a story too. More and more, I want to write that, and I want to write the kinds of things that my grandmother never got to say. That's kind of uh, a mission that I'm, I'm finding more and more. Yeah, I would say, when did this? When did you have? When did this come in? When did this come? When did you have this revelation? Well, as I'm getting older and more and more, as uh, as my grandmother is uh, aging, and mortality is the weirdest, strangest thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it, it's like. All of this, uh, uh, if, if all she ever had through her life was covering up her oppression with makeup, which is what so many women of earlier generations were asked to do, mm-hmm. just to keep your voice low, just be quiet, go along with it, and just make a beautiful home because that's what you are here to do. Don't have a job. Don't have agency. Don't say how you feel. Don't talk about when you're angry. Nobody wants to hear about when you're angry. But I think that's something I so relate to. Well, and this thing, oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. Well, also as as a gay man, I feel like I've inherited a lot of these feelings um, of taking, when when I'm angry or something, Mm -hmm. I I can turn that inward on myself if I'm not expressing how I'm feeling. But I want to keep my voice low and I want to be palatable to all the people around me and I want to assimilate into culture. And so these are things I kind of understand and can, and in Indoor Boys in season three, I've done what I can to give voice not only to the gay characters who are so often sidelined in media, but also to all of the incredible adult women who are asked to just put on makeup and be pretty and keep their voices low. Yeah. 
I know I'm not solving the issue. I know I'm not taking on women's rights, but I think I'm just starting to chip away at an issue that I see and that I feel and I'm, I'm experiencing in my own family. So it's... Uh... And you don't have to be moving mountains to making change. Like to have revelations within yourself and to change your mind about something and to understand something more deeply in a new way, to me, like that is the work. Because then that is going to be a part of everything you do moving forward. The way that you interact with people, the way that you move through, you know what I mean? Like it just affects the way that you move throughout the world. It affects the way that you have conversations. It affects, it affects the people that you wanna have relationships with. Like it affects what you order for lunch. Like it literally affects everything when it becomes something that you know, that you didn't know before. Uh-huh. And I so, I really think, I mean, I didn't know until very recently that like my idea of what a man was, was completely skewed. That how, like, how so? I like, I didn't, I didn't understand. I don't know. I it, it's, it's like, I didn't realize that my, the, the generation, let's talk about the generational thing. Like it was like, oh, you have to be like strong and you can't show that you're sad. Um, or if you're angry, like you have to put that away. Like you, whatever the emotion is, like lock it up, put it away, be strong. And if you're not, then you're being weak. Then you're weak. And I didn't, re- and now I know it's the other way. Like it's the other way. I think the most, the most masculine men I've ever met are the most emotional guys. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The ones who can speak to what's really going on inside of them and connect and have empathy. And I want that in men and I want that in women. Uh huh. And that's the thing is I feel like there's this like waking up that's happening that people are going like, oh, I can speak truth. I can speak my truth. I can be honest. I can feel whatever it is the fuck that I'm feeling. And it doesn't make me less of a woman. It doesn't make me less of a man. In fact, it makes me like more human. It makes me like just, I don't know. I feel so more deeply connected to men and women in a way now because I'm like, it's just so, it's just so profound. It's so crazy. This thing that's like, and maybe this is, maybe this is what happens in your twenties. Like maybe you're supposed to just like all these crazy things and revelations, but it feels like there's something shifting. It feels like time is, is like history is changing in a way. Do you know what I mean? I hope so. At the very least, I think we can just keep becoming more and more aware of the things that need to change and hopefully reflect that in our lives and our artistic output. So that's what I'm trying to do. And, and align yourself and projects you're aligning yourself with. Yeah, I'm trying. It's hard when also you don't have a lot of choice as an actor. Most of the time we just get cast or we don't get cast and it's not, it's not often I get to choose. Yeah. I think what's uh, profound to me about Indoor Boys is every, almost every moment of that I got to choose. Every person, every word. Yeah. I mean, Wes and, and I chose those together. Yeah. But that's what feels so big to me about it. It's more than me standing on a Broadway stage and having the adrenaline rush and chasing after the high, which is another one of the greatest joys. But this one is a world I created around myself and I chose every piece of it. Do you feel like 
and then, by the way, and then, yeah, yes. and then was surprised and was uh, made better because everyone brings in their own ideas. And, and that's the best part right. is I, I can create the blueprint, but I'm bringing in people who are, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm, I chose the, you know, I built the world around me and it is. <laughs> no, but you build the house and then the people come, you know what I mean? They have to fill it with their, with their lives and yeah, who they are. Yeah. And then all those people, they decorated the house. Yes. And it's, it's so much better decorated than I could ever decorate it on my own. And like you said, it's bigger than you guys. It's much bigger than you guys. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to like, I, I don't know, I'm, I don't know how to say it. Do you feel like you have to like drink the Kool-Aid a little bit on your own stuff when you're working on something? You know, obviously you can believe in it, but... To some extent, I feel like you have to like. I, I I'm 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 nervous to say to a fault because I don't think that's what I mean. But like, mm-hmm. you have to really deeply believe in the thing that you're doing. Yeah, but I don't think I would have taken it to the finish line if I didn't deeply believe in it. Because I've had a number of projects I've started, tried to write, yep. and they didn't quite happen. This one I believed in. That's not to say that there were things along the way I wish we had done differently. I look yeah, back you on... You learn. Yeah, that's part of it, though. Mm-hmm. I look back on some parts of it, and I think we could have shot that differently, or we could have told a different story there that would have added to the bigger picture a little more effectively. But I, uh, but I believed in it, and I kept going and kept trying to make it better as I went. And that's what took me to the finish line. Was all that, all the, all the learning? The belief, the passion. The belief. Yeah. You know, and you also, I mean, listen, you've also like been a producer. Like you also get to, you've also, you know what I mean? You've also put, speaking of choice, like mm-hmm. you, you, you get to associate and align yourself with things as a, as a producer that you want that you want to succeed that you feel like are making a difference in the world. Yeah, I loved doing that because no one cared how I looked. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got to help someone else tell their story and sit back and feel proud that I got to help someone else tell a story that needed to be told. Yeah, that seems different for you. It is different than the other two. That is different and and required a lot less of me. All it required really was helping them raise money and some office work, but faith. A lot of faith that this is a story that needs to be told. We're talking about what what the Constitution means to me, which I was a co-producer on. Yeah. And some other producing projects, which I have in my future. But but I'm... So many people have helped me, and I want to pay that forward. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I imagine it's another totally different sense of satisfaction. It is, and it's a different kind of experience. Right. But it's also great. I've gotten to divert, like you said at the beginning of this, I got to diversify a a lot of projects I've been on, whether they've been soap operas or producing Broadway shows or being in a musical or touring with a play or whatever it was. I'm, I'm lucky that so many different kinds of things have come my way and, uh, I'm just trying to get on the train before it, it leaves without me. Yeah. You, you, what did you, you, you said something really, really 
I think poignant on Josh's podcast that you were like, I just want to be, I've always just wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, that's in true. Whatever way I could. I mean, I love theater more than anything in the world and, and television too now. <laughs> um, but the way theater sitting in an audience when I was a kid and now more rarely, but still as an adult, when I am transcended by theater, there is no greater joy. All I want to do is talk about it and re-experience it. I cannot tell you how many times I've listened to the cast album of The Prom, remembering how that made me, me feel, feel when I was moment. sitting yeah. in that theater and that show was talking so directly to my inner child. And that's why that show just rocked my world and why I'm, li- I'm bopping along to that cast album all the time. <laughs> it's a great cast album. But I... Uh, I just want to be a part of the conversation because I think the conversation is so awesome. And I want to help direct the conversation in ways that I think are productive, moving us forward, um, telling stories that need to be told. Do you feel like you're a part of the conversation? Sometimes. Today? Well, today I'm a part of this conversation and this conversation is meaningful to me. Me too. So there's that. Yeah. I think, and I, I guess that's the thing. I'm like, I just want to keep doing that. I'm like, I just want to keep having meaningful conversations. Yeah, when I say the conversation, I don't mean some, some giant, you know, conference room that I go to <laughs> with all the Broadway elite. But it's a lot of things like Back this. Backstage Broadway con. Yeah, yeah, sure. But <laughs> it's just us, and we're just talking about things that mean something to us. And that's, that's the conversation. Yeah, and then when you're doing a show, it's lots of people doing that in a room all together. They're all talking about something that's meaningful to them. And how can we make that story as good as it can be? And how can we tell that story in the most effective way? And, but it's all, it's all of us just talking in a different way. And that's, that's what the world needs is more conversations. So that's why I do any of this is because I need to communicate and I need to figure out how to work out the things inside of myself that need to be worked out. And then hopefully I can help work out things in the world by proxy. And it's vulnerable. Like, yeah, man. Like talking about things that are meaningful to you is not like it's not a walk in the park. Well, that's what strength is. Going back to your idea of mm. what being a strong man or strong woman is strength is is talking about it. Strength is 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 putting things uh is is speaking from your heart and yeah. No, I think I I agree. I mean, I really I think it it comes from Uh, like you said, honesty, you know, um, and showing up and holding space for people. To me, that's re- that takes a lot of strength yeah. to really listen to someone else and not like I am known and I've always been known as like I and I am the guy that wants to be part of every conversation speaking conversation <laughs> yeah. like I try to talk over everybody like <laughs> I'm that guy like and I know and I know that about myself and it's something that I've worked really actively on to be a really and I that's why I love doing this is because it like forces me to be a really good listener I have to listen and to me being willing to take a back seat for however long that takes a lot that takes strength too like to not, for me, it takes strength to not have to 
be the center of attention or, you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's the insecure person who talks at you without stopping, without, without a sense of curiosity about how you are, but just, they, they need to keep going, keep going, keep going. And they can't receive curiosity. Uh huh. I think that's another big one too. That like, if without that, there, I have, I'm not curious about myself. I'm not curious about the world. I'm not curious about other people. Yeah, like, but if you stay curious, look at all the things that can come into your life. Um, anyone who's listening to this, anytime you've been curious, it's asked you to open a book or walk in t- walk up to a group of friends, who, who, a group of people who, who you didn't know before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what it's about. That's what asks you to step out of your comfort zone is curiosity. That's what asks me to make things. Yeah. What would it be like if I told this story? What would I be like if I was a what what would it be like if I was a producer? Something I never thought I would do, but it's been such a cool experience. Yeah, never thought you would do that. No, I didn't either. Really? I didn't either, but uh I'm I'm glad I did. Oh, I don't say oh I didn't say I'm not saying I never thought you could do that. I'm saying you never thought you could do that. <laughs> no, no, you never thought either. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at you and I said, he's not a producer. And that guy that, that guy that, that kid is a lot of things. But, but that's that kid, you know what? True. Like, let me tell you something. I have complete. I've just. I'm done with. Ex- I talked about this last night. I'm done with expectations. Like, I'm done. I cannot. Anytime I try to put any expectation on anybody or anything, like I am, I get it wrong a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I just never know what's going to be on the other side. I just. I, I have no idea what who somebody truly is until they say, until they tell me, until they ex- they talk about what they're experiencing in that moment. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I can't. I can't know. No, and and if you knew everything, then there wouldn't be art. Art is all about um, the gray area. It's not about things that are black and white. It's not telling you this character is good and this character is evil. I I think bad art is like that. (laughs) But I think really good art asks you to empathize with a character you disagree with. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I like to think that the good stuff makes, I like see myself in, a, I see parts of myself in every, in everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, that guy, even though I don't agree, like I, I can, I, there's something about him that I identify with. Yeah. There's something, it's that empathy thing we were talking about. Yeah. And then maybe if you see that in art, then we can do that better in our lives. Which like, that's what we really need to do. Uh-huh. I need to do it still. The number of people I look at on the subway and I instantly hate them, <laughs> but it would. Yo, but that isn't that crazy. It would serve me well to uh, remember this conversation and 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 have a sense of curiosity and empathy and and again that would make a better world. Harder if, in practice. Yeah, of course. Than just speaking it. There's so many things around us, so many external factors that are asking us to harden ourselves. So, and I also feel, and I think you spoke to this earlier. Like you talking about all these things and like trying, it's like we teach the things that we most need to learn. Mm. You know, like we, I, I remember having a conversation with somebody who was like, you know, you, you say all these things and you, you know, but this is how you act. This is how you, like you're reacting to this thing this way. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm trying to like teach myself. Like, I'm trying to like, me saying those things are like affirmations. Like I am trying to put these messages out in the world so that I can apply them to my life. And the more that I speak them, the more I'm like, I'm trying to integrate them into who I am. Yeah. 
not easy. No, no, that's not easy. That's why I keep making things. I want to, it's why I try to prepare myself for my show ending. So I, I so I can, uh, take on that lesson better. If I, if I talk about it, if I put it out there, all these things, just communication, right? With other people and with yourself. And with Matt Roden on his podcast. I cannot, there are, there are not enough words in the English language for me to express like how deeply I love and care about you. Like I <laughs> truly, you know what I mean? Like I just, I, and I, I feel like I say this to everybody, but I really do feel that way that I'm like, I love you so deeply in a way that I did not know that I could. And it's because of the fact that we can have a conversation like this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like totally, like, sure, we're, ta- we're sitting in front of microphones, but like we could be sitting on my couch and we would be, ha- you know, we would be talking this way too. Yeah, we did something similar to Diner a couple weeks ago. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> it's like, I'm just, I, you know, it's like I'm, I'm always so nervous for these things because it's, there's some, it feels like there's like pressure and like stakes and yeah, I mean, me too. I want to say things that people want to hear. Right. I, I hope I did. I hope, uh, I hope I did. I hope that someone can learn something or, or think about their lives or, yeah. or think about what they want to make. Uh, cause, cause there are so many stories in all of us and it takes a lot of courage, um, and a lot of rest. <laughs> There's a lot of different ways. There's a lot. Of, it looks so many different ways. You know what I mean? And I also now, I also have tried, the thing I'm working hard on is like trusting that like who needs to hear this is going to hear this when they need to hear this and they'll hear the things that they like need to, you know what I mean? Like at some point it's like completely out of our control. And like I just, I trust, I have to have faith that it like, it will fall in the hands that it needs to. It'll fall on the ears that it needs to. We'll see. Um, that part is up to somebody else. That's right. I love you. I love you too, man. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.